0: Yo, 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 yo. Welcome, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah K podcast. Welcome back. So congratulations. First, let's start off with congratulations, a round of applause for the Denver Nuggets winning the NBA championship. Um, It was a first time for a lot of things for the Denver Nuggets this past year. Uh, Really an all-time great season for the Nuggets. Um, obviously, their best—you know—their best year as a franchise. <clears throat> uh, they finished with the best record in the Western Conference. They got their first sweep in, um, in franchise history. Uh, they got to their first, uh, NBA Finals in franchise history, and they end up winning their first NBA championship, um, in franchise history in 47 years. Um, so congratulations to the Denver Nuggets. And as you can probably tell, we're going to be talking about, you know, breaking down or not even a breaking down. But I'm just going to give some of my takeaways from the NBA finals and so forth. But boy, oh boy, do we have a lot of news to cover. Um, I know, I know, I know the Nuggets won. You guys are probably like, the Nuggets won the championship a couple of days ago. They did. Um, I'm just recording this. This this will be our, this will be the annual Saturday episode that you guys should uh just enjoy and so forth uh, i'm gonna try to give you guys a little bit of nba and nfl content um but obviously we're gonna start i'm gonna start it off with my takeaways from the nba finals but first and foremost i'm your humble and highly favored host isaiah kit of the isaiah kit podcast i am feeling good <clears throat> hope everybody out there is feeling good as well um i know it's graduation season i know school is about the end um and sadly, there is no more basketball. Only thing we have left, if you're like a real sports, if you're a sports junkie, is baseball. You obviously got the dog days of the MLB season. Um, we gotta wait about a, two months or so for you know some football. So you know, I you know I I will be turning and spinning for content ideas and and so forth um and i and and i probably have some guests um in the near future coming on to, on to you know to po- talk on the pod and whatever so here's some of the takeaways and like i said nuggets had a all-time i mean the nuggets had a great um phenomenal dominant playoff run um they went 16 and 4 um they lost one home game that home that home that one home loss came against the heat in game 2 um, but obviously this Denver Nuggets team was really, really dominant. And um, my previous, my so the reaction that I did after Game Four, after the Nuggets won Game Four, I kind of, kind of sum sum summarize it and like you know, it. I think this is like the perfect storm for the Nuggets. I like that's what I said after Game Four. It's just it just seems like a perfect storm, big time game from Aaron Gordon. You're really you you like on in game three and game four, you just really saw after that game two loss where Jokic put up a 41 and everybody else was kind of like, meh. Game three and game four, you really got to see how versatile in just how dominant um that this Nuggets roster is. Outside even outside of Jokic. You got to see Aaron, you got to see Aaron Gordon have some uh, have a big game. You got to see Bruce Brown, you know, have a big game. Uh, th- even the rookie Christian Brown had uh, he had some really bright moments on the road in Game Three and Game Four. Um, so you just kind of saw it like this well-oiled machine. And as I said, this like it, it it just seems like the perfect storm for the Nuggets. And 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 if you want anything to back that up look no further than how they won game 5. Game 5, I have some cool stats. Game 5, the Nuggets shot just under 18% from 3. They shot an abysmal 57% from the free throw line. They were plus 6 in turnovers, and it was by far their least efficient off their least efficient game offensively in all of the postseason. So in all of their playoff games, no matter if they won or lost, this was this game 5 in the NBA Finals was their least efficient game. And not only that, this was the least efficient game for a playoff winner in all of the 90 playoff wins that we had this year. So in all of the 90 playoff wins that we had in in total this year in the postseason, this was the least efficient game for any winner of those playoff games. So it kind of showed, so no team had this bad of a shooting night or this bad of an offensive night and still walked away with a W in the postseason. And I think, as I said, kind of shows you the perfect storm that the Nuggets had brewing for themselves. But then also it kind of shows you like, no matter if it was like Boston, maybe even Milwaukee, probably doesn't matter. Denver was the best team in basketball this year. The mere fact that they were able, they were able to win a closeout game in that fashion, um, with with such horrendous efficiency offensively, which is just unlike them, kind of tells you like, yes, this was the team that was the best team in basketball. And granted, um, they had to be granted. They kind of, you know, they kind of fell apart the last couple weeks of the regular season. One could argue, well, hey, you know, Nikola Jokic didn't play and so forth in some of these games. So, you know, but that whole thing in terms of the Nuggets and um, the perfect storm, it kind of just, it kind of just blends, and you can see why they were the most dominant team they were the best team and i don't think no team was beating this team for this nuggets team four times this year i don't um and, and and from from a miami heat perspective i mean miami had a great playoff run like an absolutely awesome playoff run right and you can't knock what they have done uh you know Eric exposure obviously he didn't earn his stripes um in this postseason run right he didn't earn his like we all knew Eric Sposher was a really good coach I think maybe after this playoff run it's probably a little bit it's probably undeniable or it's probably like goes without saying or no doubt that he's the best basketball he's the best coach in NBA but he didn't earn his stripes with this playoff run he already had them. but it you know but the heat culture just kind of you know it remains persistent and consistent but Here's where, and, I, and every time I miss, every time I spoke about the heat, it felt like throughout the postseason, it felt like I was just wrong. Like, for the, like, especially the first three rounds, the first three rounds, every time I talk about, I talked about the heat, I just misspoke. And I was, I was proven wrong, kind of. And, and I, so I, I say this with a, take this with a grain of salt, right? But ideally, the way and the fashion how the Heat got to the post or the fashion that they got to the NBA Finals um, and how their team was constructed is something that you probably won't see again. And in sports, I feel like in sports, we come up with these theories that very well may have a lot of and carry a lot of ability, right? Like if someone was to say, hey, ideally, I would not want to build my team like the Heat was constructed um, in order to get to the NBA Finals and win a championship, ultimately. I would agree. Um, Now, I wouldn't say, man, there would never be a team that's constructed like that and get to the – well, you can't say never because the Heat just did it. But ideally, I would not want to build my team if I was trying to win a championship or I'm trying to make a deep. Ideally, I would not want to build my team how the Heat was constructed. And I say, and I and, and and what I mean by that is, I just in this in this series you kind of saw it versus Denver. Too many possessions in big spots. You know they were counting on guys like especially outside of Butler, outside of Jimmy Butler, and you know, Jimmy Butler really didn't have it going. Um, you know in this past, in this past series and really kind of kind of his he had one great series versus Milwaukee had a for his playoff standards. right Jimmy Butler he you know he averaged 24 against the Knicks, he averaged 24 against the Celtics and his efficiency was in the low 40s in terms of shooting percentage, right So didn't have that monster Milwaukee could never could replicate that monster Milwaukee series ever um in the remaining series. But I think too many times in this series, I in this final series, I saw in big spots and in big moments too many possessions where Miami were counting on guys like Max Struess and, you know, Gabe Vincent and, you know, and guys like that to come down and create offense outside of Jimmy Butler. And really, Jimmy Butler didn't really have it going. And I talk more about Jimmy Butler in terms of, like, how we look at him from a big-picture standpoint. But I think too often, too many times, Miami offensively, I saw them depending on guys like a Max Struess or a Gabe Vincent or a Caleb Martin who really struggled offensively in these finals. They were depending on those guys too much to create some type of, like, rhythm or flow offensively on this type of stage. So ideally I wouldn't want to build my team like that. Right. That's, that's just, that's just, I think, I feel like that goes without saying. Right. But I, I feel like so many people love like the heat culture and the heat way. And, and and like I said, I'm not knocking it. I think the culture is, it goes without saying that it is a, the heat, their first, first class organization, but I think also, on a, on another hand, we can also admit that, like, you know, maybe if you're trying to compete or win an NBA championship, relying on guys who, like, one night, Max Juice may give you zero points, and one another night, Max Struess might give you 20. And if I was to tell you, hey, in a playoff game, Max Struess had 20 points, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I can believe it. You know, get top from three, get some good looks, and, yeah, he can, he can put up 20. And then, on the other hand, if I told you – yeah, Max Shoes. He, he he walked away with about two points tonight and shot and shot only one for eight from the field. You'd be like, yeah, I kind of see that too. So like, depending on guys like that uh, in terms of role players, like guys who are like def like defined role players, that can be a tough. That can be that can be tough to be really balance out. Um, and more times than not, you can kind of get caught. Now, granted, like I said, you you know that that worked versus Milwaukee and New York and Boston um, and this Denver, just, they were just obviously superior. Um, I think with Jimmy Butler, you know, people, and that's the thing, Jimmy, and especially in this particular, in this particular playoff run, I saw people throwing out superlatives and and, 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 you know, just other comparisons to what we were watching with Jimmy Butler throughout the playoff run. And they was like, man, he's D Wade. And, Man, he is this one and that one and joy like, and I'm like, no. And it's nothing against Jimmy Butler. But like, before the playoffs start, how do we think of Jimmy Butler as a player? We think of Jimmy Butler, granted, we know he's a good, I think he's a pretty good leader. I think he's a pretty hard worker. Most of us can agree, almost every all of us can agree that Jimmy Butler is a hard worker, fierce competitor, right? But in terms of actually like, like a lot of people when we see Jimmy Butler in these playoff performances, they're like, man, why don't we talk about him more? And it's like it, it, it goes to show you, it's like it's my perfect comparison. Early in the postseason, I called Jimmy Butler Madison Bumgarner. Madison Bumgarner, it fought, like for my baseball people, Madison Bumgarner is one of the best postseason pitchers in MLB in MLB history. But Madison Bumgarner, you would never put him in a conversation with a, with the likes of a Clayton Kershaw or a Max Serger or a Justin Verlander. You just wouldn't, because those guys first are more gifted, um, and, and more talented. But like you like those are like those are perennial in in their in their primes. Those were those are perennial Cy Young, like nominees or Cy Young winners, in in their in their primes. You and you would just never think to put Madison Bumgardner in that conversation. The same goes for Jimmy Butler. Like we don't talk about him. In the same like of LeBron, in the same likes of like a LeBron James or Kevin Durant or Nikola Jokic or Steph Curry or, or, or you know, or a Giannis, because simply he's just not that type of guy. And for instance, um, look at the Milwaukee series. The Milwaukee series, Butler was 37, 8, and 6, shot 60% from the field, and I think about 44% from three. And when that was happening, we put it kind of goes back to my Madison Bum um, you know, comparison where we we like, wow, like Bum granted, not like a Cy Young winner, but in the postseason, just like just he just takes his game to the next level and kind of goes same for Butler. Um, but then you so you put him in this group. That he's never a part of, like a, like I said, like a, you know, when everybody was throwing out the, you know, he in that that class with LeBron and KD and Giannis and Steph, that that whole, you know, that Giannis class, like that 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 tier, and it's like, well, he's never a part of that. But then, you know, like I said, after the Knicks series, after the Celtics series, you know, struggled in the Nuggets series, it's like, okay, big, you step back. And the 10,000, the 10,000 foot view and the big picture view of what we thought of Jimmy Butler before the playoffs is essentially reality. Like great, like great competitor. Um, If you like you, everyone would love, every team would love to have Jimmy Butler on their team. Like, like I think that's kind of been proven. Like you would love to have him on your team. But the reality is he is not as talented nor as offensively gifted as the likes of a LeBron um, or or a KD or Steph, um, Luka, Jokic. And, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, when LeBron or Steph or those guys have those moments where it's like, okay, I I just got to take over and do it. Jimmy just doesn't have that extra notch that he can take it up to. And then you start naming some names, like even like hell, like even Devin Booker. It's like you get to a point where it's, like, okay, yeah, this is this is where, you know, the big picture view and where we and how we talked about and where we had Jimmy Butler at before the postseason started, in reality, that's who he is. That's who he is. He had the Great Milwaukee series, and then he his play precipitously dropped throughout the next few rounds and it's like okay we're back to square one so i like i said i think I, you know everybody was calling him jimmy butler was calling everybody's calling him jimmy butler oh he's Dwayne way he's this he's that i'm like no 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 i think jimmy butler's great i think he's awesome i think he's awesome awesome competitor but in the grand scheme of things i think he is more madison bum gardner in a basketball perspective in terms of postseason big time postseason performer um not a not like not like an average player in the in the regular season bum Gardner isn't an average pitcher in a regular season good player in the regular season but his game does go up to another notch in the, in, in the postseason. but from the grand scheme of things you kind of see that he's not in that class where uh, the likes of a LeBron and not even in that class you know maybe <laughs> maybe he's not even Devin Booker right so that's just that's just how you get it. Um, and 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 I'll say this. I and this is kind of something interesting that I've been going back and forth in my head um throughout the throughout the past couple of days um since the Nuggets have won the championship. And it's the whole a lot, like everybody is they're pa- they're praising the Nuggets for their patience. Every, like, you know, every, like, that was one of the, mo- that's one of the more, that's one of the bigger talking points um after the Nuggets winning this championship. It's like, man, the Nuggets patience paid off. They kept Jokic and Mary together. They didn't fire uh, Michael Malone. I mean, they didn't go after a big name star. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't move Jamal Murray after the injury. Like, man, like, Jokic didn't ask for anything. No, 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 no. Right. Right. And I get that. And I think there is there is that is something to be celebratory about. And we can definitely talk about that and sell that. And I will say from a from a, from my perspective and view, it was good to see a team that was in our words, quote unquote, like just organically built um, and just kind of like doing it the quote unquote the right way. Right. Where they just stuck with it and they're patient. But what if I told you. What if I told you that in terms of the Nuggets patience, the Nuggets didn't ever actually have a chance to be impatient? I mean, and, and it's, no, it's no it's no slout to them. No, it, like it's not anything against the Nuggets. But it's funny how we all are talking about and, you know, rewarding the Nuggets about their patience and they've been patient. But what if I told you they didn't have the chance to be patient or impatient, I should say. When Murray missed, when Jamal Murray misses the 21 and 22 playoffs, they don't actually – the Jokic and Murray combination in tandem doesn't actually have an opportunity to be disappointing. I mean, granted, in the 2020 bubble, we saw them losing five games to – the Lakers who were the eventually uh, the eventual champions in the conference finals. But if you, if you think about it, they were down three, one versus Utah in the first round. They were down three, one versus the Clippers in the first round. They came back and won both series. So one would argue, man, like that, 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 that that conference finals loss to the Lakers wasn't necessarily like disappointing. One would argue like, man, what, what can the Nuggets do to like get this thing back up to that point and try to advance to the NBA Finals? So I think in a way, and I'm not saying it's a it's a good thing or a blessing that Jamal Murray was injured, um, and couldn't play in the 21 and 22 playoffs, but I think it's just interesting how we we are, oh man and we're, we're like we're just all hoo hawing about the late about the Nuggets' patience but they never quite had the opportunity to be impatient, right? And granted, if Murray does play in the 22 playoffs or the 21, if he does play in those years in the postseason, and if they were to lose in the first round, second round, or whatever, I mean, do do the Nuggets really break it up? Probably not. Um, Grant, given the market, they can probably avoid some of that harsh – um. Some of that harsh sports media talk that, like that, teams like you know cities like like Boston or, or Chicago and or, or New York might get. Maybe they can avoid that and they just keep the tandem together and it just all pans out for them. But the Nuggets, I think this Nuggets team is truly special, and we we you know we rave about the patience. But and like I said, I'm not saying Jamal Murray's injury is like a blessing in disguise but they actually never had the chance or just the ample amount of space to be impatient as a front office um they never had that chance because we never we we didn't we didn't have they like Jamal Murray and Jokic never quite had that opportunity where they failed or where they were disappointing so when we look at you know and this obviously happens with teams with really talented teams, like, we obviously, people, you know, people remember the OKC team, where OKC, after the finals, they move off a of Harden, and Harden, like, we you know, there's always what-if games about that, right? And obviously, I mean, now with, I think now a situation that's kind of comparable um, is the Celtics situation with Jalen Brown and Tatum. But as I said, you know, they're, Boston is a, a is a harsh and crit- critical sports town. So if they disappoint, they're gonna hear it. If if you're disappointing in that in that market as a as a sports team, you're gonna hear it. And as for the Celtics and with Jalen Brown and Tatum, they have kind of had the chances and opportunities to be disappointing. So it, it you know patience. It, it's funny how the Nuggets. We're like, man, we're raving over their patience. And like I said, no shot against them or no shade towards the Nuggets. But as an interesting token or Nugget, I should say, no pun intended, um, (laughs) that they never actually in retrospect had the opportunity to even be impatient because they never disappointed. They never had the opportunity to have like a disappointing playoff loss or a disappointing playoff collapse. So that's interesting. That's 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 my take. Those are my takeaways. You know, you guys you guys listen to my reactions at the game after, you know, each and every game. So those are just my takeaways in NBA finals and so forth. Um uh, congratulations to the NBA to the to the Nuggets once again on winning the NBA championship. Okay, so we're about 25 minutes um into this pod and uh, there was more big time news coming out of the the association after the, after the conclusion of the NBA finals. And it was news that we were all kind of expecting and waiting on. Uh, and obviously it was John ja Morant's um, suspension. Now, if you haven't, if you don't know already, John ja Morant was suspended by the NBA for about 25 games, not for about, he was, the suspension is for 25 games to start the season. Um, now I think this suspension, it, they can, if, you know, if Ja was to somehow, you know to get get himself into something else the suspension can be longer but it's for 25 games and me personally my opinion after thinking about it giving it some thought i thought it was the, I thought it was about the right amount 25 games i thought i thought that was about the right amount and where you land it's an 82 game regular season you take away 25 that's a four for the season. So, like that, that's a good percentage. It's not just some little slap. Like, there, there, you know, there's no snap on the wrist. That is gonna, it's gonna cost the Grizzlies, right? They're not gonna have their best player for the first twenty five games. Um, now, granted, now, thankfully, luckily, over the past couple years, when John Morant has been hurt or he has been suspended, they have played typically well. So we'll see how that fares and how that suits Memphis. Um, over the next, you know. 25 those 25 games to open this year but i thought it was a good enough penalty i thought that was a good i thought that was about a good a good equal meeting point because you got you got the players union coming out saying they thought it was a bit excessive right they thought it was a bit excessive and then you got other people saying wow you know other media members and you know people all throughout our fans and people all throughout our social media saying that's it 25 games And granted, I see, I you know, I can see why, you know, a lot of people are like just 25 games because Adam Silver, literally, the NBA and Adam Silver, they held a press conference just only to say in that press conference that we're going to hold another press conference to actually announce the suspension. So the way how, I think the way how Adam Silver and the NBA was kind of presenting it and the way how they were talking about it, and the way how it was just, like, (laughs) put in broadcast in front of us, I think it had a lot of people on edge. And I think a lot of people were like, yeah, the NBA, they're going to come down really, really hard. And I think a lot of people was like, uh, 50 games, uh, whole season. They were, you know, people were throwing out more than 25 games. And I thought that, I think a lot of the people from the, in terms of, like, the masses, they kind of figured they were expecting a little bit, they were expecting more than 25 games. Now, John Moran did come out, have, you know, make his apology, right? Uh, Kind of talked about how he hasn't been an upstanding role model um for the younger viewers and fans. And obviously, you know, corporations that's connected to John, they came out and talked like Nike. Obviously Nike, they they made it really known that, um, you know, we're not dropping Jaw. We're keeping Jaw. Um, and and you know, from a business perspective, business acclimate, it makes sense. Jaw Morant is one of the most um, I would say, intriguing and interesting young athletes that we have in American sports and just sports in general. And he's a trendsetter. He's a trendsetter, and the kids, the kids do love him. The kids love him. Um, granted, when Nike took his shoe off the off the website and off the Nike app, like, you know, people were like, uh oh. Then the shoe comes back on. They do like a little surprise drop and the damn shoe sells out in ten minutes. So you know, so like Ja does have the younger generation and he has he has a hold on him. So it I think it is important that he, you know, he start living up to his apology. But my thing is Ja got suspended for stupidity. Like, and that's where we kind of, that's where I kind of see the other side as well, you know, versus, you know, because you have people like, man, he should have got more than 25 games. And I, like I said, 25 games a lot. I think in that 25 games, he's going to lose about an estimate of about $7 million. Um, Not to mention that he won't even qualify for like, All NBA teams, um, or any other award, right? Um, And probably, he probably won't even be an all star. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, but he wouldn't, he definitely would not qualify for like all NBA in those end of the season awards. So I, I, I think it does, it like the 25 game does damage. It does a lot of damage, right? But ja, there's no league rule. That he broke, right? Like there's nothing in the handbook that John Morant broke in the league's hand. Like there's 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 no rule that he broke. And like I said, he got suspended for stupidity and the perception and the look. And and that's how we that's typically how we operate in our society today. Perception and a for you know, in our in our society, perception turns into reality. Nine times out of ten, um, great. Like you know, facts are always great, and I think a lot of people love facts. I think people want facts, but perception and how we perceive things in our society is reality. It becomes reality. So when we see, so granted, John Moran and his team, and they're they're trying to clear it up, saying it was a fake gun. Now on the Insta story, it, it's a it's actually a candle lighter. We don't even know if that's true or not. If they're trying to save face, but the perception is already out there. That picture, that image of John Morant is already being portrayed. And who knows if he is really into that? If he's not, most people say that he's not, which is probably even worse. Because why are you trying to? Why are you trying to fabricate and be something that you're not? That is something mental. But, like, people, like the NBA, they're suspending John Morant for stupidity and perception. Point blank, period. You know, the whole, like, no, he didn't break a rule. He didn't break an NBA rule. It, it, you know, it's a detriment look to the league and the Memphis Grizzlies, right? But, he got suspended for stupidity, his stupid actions, and the perception, and how it looks. And as I said, I think John Morant, he has such a strong, strong influence. I think John Morant has such a strong influence. It, You know, John Morant has dreadlocks. If Mar- if John Morant cut off his dreads and said, Yeah, I'm cutting off my dreads. If he just went on social media on Father's Day and he said, Yup, I'm cutting off my dreads and I'm, you know, I'm gonna have a low haircut, I guarantee you a lot of kids will start cutting their dreads. And I I just think I think that is how much gravitational pull and how strong of an influence that John Morant I, I think that's how strong of an influence that he has. I think if he was to just do something as simple as cutting his hair, his dreads, I think a lot of kids would follow. <laughs> I think a lot of kids would follow. Just like the whole gritty dance, it's not that John Morant created that dance or invented that dance, but once he started doing that dance, all of the kids started doing that dance. So when we see images in the view, in the perspective in in the perception that is being portrayed by John Morant, that ultimately becomes reality, and it tops it probably even topples the like whatever facts. But we don't even have facts. We got people. We got hearsay. She said here's hearsay. We got hearsay. So we'll see how this turns out. Um, I I think on top not just the gun situations, the two gun incidents, but I think a lot of the alarming stuff surrounding job, whether it's that the, the mall incident um, the incident with the 17 year old kid, the incident with the Indiana Patriots coaching staff, which I thought was kind of like serious. And I, I I think it's, I don't know. I think it's for me, in my opinion, I thought it was kind of mind blowing that the NBA just kind of let that slap. Like they just let that slid under the rug. um Especially with another team and coaching and coaches being involved. I, I, that's mind-boggling to me. But like I said, John Morant got suspended for 25 games. I feel like it's the right call because both sides are like, uh, both sides are complaining. So that's how, I think that's that's kind of like a good, that's a good way to show like, okay, like players' union saying that was too much. You know, we got the masses and other you know a- outlets saying, man, only just just 25 games should have been more. The mere fact that we have that kind of like split decision lets you know that it was probably the right choice. 25 games, that feels about right. But he got suspended for stupidity and perception. And perception is our reality in our world nowadays. Like it or love it. Like it, hate it, love it. That is reality. That is perception. That is the new reality of our society. Um, But I will let you guys go. I um, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Ooh, we got a lot of we got a lot of NBA rumor meal talk and, you know, got NBA draft coming up. We got NBA free agency. So it's, a, it, it, you know, we got a lot these next coming weeks that we're going to really discuss and talk about. And I'm going to keep you guys updated. And then also the same goes for the NFL got some, you know, we got some, you know, some rumors and stories buzzing, some contracts buzzing, Saquon Barkley, DeAndre Hopkins, where's Hopkins going to land and so forth. So we're definitely uh, where I definitely keep you guys updated. And we'll talk about that um, on the coming episodes. But uh, always remember, two choices, one decision. And you guys have a lovely weekend. Enjoy. Thank you.